Um, I'm just going to be glad when this series is over, which will be at noon today. Party at my house. Has it been like an awkward series for you, but have you been enjoying it? You know, I think God is not afraid of the awkward. I think, uh, I think we are sort of afraid of the awkward because awkward often uh, represents like a power struggle in our lives. And uh, today I'm um, uh, preaching a sermon called Fight Night, which is normally like date night if you're married and you go on a date, you have a fight about something stupid. And so, um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach about this. Um, I saw uh, Cassie was wearing a shirt this morning that said, I, it said, I'm not arguing, I'm just explaining why I'm right. And I thought, Cassie, your arrogance. So I went up um, after I preached the first uh, sermon. I went upstairs and told the production team, that was the wrong shirt, Cassie. I want you to go live with the second service now. And so, uh, yeah, and they did. Because they, what else are they going to do? Actually, I'm so proud of our teams. They're so flexible. And so thank you guys for just being flexible with that. But also, it's because she wore that shirt. Um, you didn't think that was funny? It's going to get worse before it gets better. Um, what are you guys doing uh, Wednesday? Say about 7 o'clock. First Wednesday. First Wednesday is a night of like worship and prophetic ministry. And really, um, God showing you what's coming up for the next month as well. If, if we announce anything, it's always at first Wednesday before we announce it, you know, on Sunday mornings. Um, and so it's kind of like a behind the scenes thing. And so, um, but God also gives direction to us for the month that is coming. I don't know if you know this, but God already knows what you're going to be facing this month. And you can go through it and just have one bad surprise after another, which some of you prefer. Um, but God wants to show you uh, ahead of time uh, what is going on and just kind of get you there so you're in a good position, uh, whether at work or at home. And uh, so come out to First Wednesday if you've never come. Once you start coming, you kind of get addicted to it. So my next series is called On the Run, and it's going to be a series about how to deal with all the idiots in your life. Anybody have any idiots? <laughs> you're like, I'm at church with them. I can't put my hand up. Um, now, I'm going to talk about how David, before David was king... Did you know that David killed a giant called Goliath for a man named Saul? And then Saul spent the next years chasing David around from cave to cave trying to kill him. And uh, did you know that that whole journey had nothing to do with Saul and everything to do with David? And so the opposition that you face in your life right now is to build spiritual muscle in your life that you're going to need one day when you get promoted to having influence. Because if you get promoted too soon, but God puts these things in our path that you don't appreciate, because I know you, and you don't appreciate that God is offering resistance so that you can build some spiritual muscle and integrity. There's something about David that was special. And it was special because he learned how to live in the cave before he learned how to live on the throne. Isn't that funny, though, that God gave uh, Saul, somebody who killed Saul's uh, 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 giant that Saul should have faced. And so... And so David, actually, this teenage boy at the time, goes and, and faces down Goliath. There is a Goliath in your life uh, today that we're going to talk about, and that is conflict. And that I want to say that not everybody has the anointing to deal with conflict. There is something that you are going to be good at that God made you, made you for, but it might not be this thing. Here's the question I would ask for you. Why do you care who's driving if you get to where you're going intact? There's something about us, though, that demands that control. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, Y'all ready? 
you got to respond to me and stuff or I'll just preach all afternoon about this. Um, and I want to end this as quickly as possible. Now, if you fought all week in your marriage, like this is why, because God wanted to, sometimes what he'll do is he'll, his, he'll reveal this to us. Cause when you come and sit in church and you're like, Hey, my life is together and everything's working. Then you don't actually hear what's going on. And God is like, Hey, I need you to learn something. And you're like, no, I already got it. Um, so sometimes when you fight uh, in your marriage ahead of time or whatever topic that we happen to be talking about, God is putting you in a place of humility. So you're like, oh, maybe I don't know everything and I'm not, you know, the Trinity three in one, the Godhead. And so God puts us in this place where you need humility to learn what God is going to teach you. So are you guys ready to go? All right. Thank you, Sean. Um, Sean and Nasty have never fought in their marriage either. Um, our first power struggle in our marriage it was during the dating stage, you know, and you, you'd think like during the dating stage, like everybody's on their best behavior. And then you get married and you're like, hey man, dibs off. Like I, I tricked you. Y'all got to help me preach a little bit here. Like, you know, this is true, right? I will start pointing fingers and volun telling your story. Um, but there's something, you know, I, I remember uh, early on in our, in our marriage, you got to understand our family of origin. I, I came from... Not our family of origin, like we came from the same family. That would be weird. Uh, Pastor Aaron and I and Pastor Corey, if we haven't met also, I forgot to say that. Um, so, but my family of origin, I came from a family of, it was kind of a, bo a boy home, just myself and my disappointing brother um, and my mom and dad. And so I'm always making fun of Ryan. So if you don't like that, I don't know if you don't like that. Like what other option do you have of listening to me? Um, make fun of my brother who's actually smarter than I am, which is part of the problem. And so anyways... Um, so, but in a very stable marriage, and both of my parents are very strong individuals, but I would say of personality, my mom is probably stronger in personality than my dad is, although my dad is, um, he's an incredibly strong individual, but he's not like a firecracker, you know, he just, he doesn't, you know, drop grenades into a room and then everybody gets to, you know, run for cover, uh, where my mom could, um, and so... <laughs> So um, of, of, they were two strong people, and our home is a very strong home. So we grew up, uh, in regards to conflict, you know, your home of origin, as much as you may have hated your home of origin, it really is the only tools that you really know how to... You might want to do the opposite of your home of origin, um, but that doesn't mean you have the tools to actually do the opposite yet. You just know, know what you don't like. Well, the opposite of that isn't always the right thing. Because there might be a thousand opposites of that, but it might not be the right way to view conflict. And so, so my home, it was pretty stable. And, uh, and my parents came from unhealthy homes in that sense of conflict. But they changed the game for us. They got healthy. And I want to give you the promise that if they could get healthy and raise kids in a healthy environment, so can you. Because they didn't come from healthy. They didn't. But God showed them a different way and they found a secret sauce in their relationship that just brought great stability to our home. My wife, on the other hand, Pastor Aaron, she came from a broken home that didn't know how to deal with conflict in a godly fashion. So um, conflict would, would either get avoided or it would just be way over the top with drama. Did anybody come from like a dramatic home where you're like, this is not about the socks, this is about the 30 other things that I have written down everywhere. It's okay. It's, it's going to get worse before it gets better, so just relax with me. Just calm down. So... Um, so, so Pastor Aaron's home was more kind of into the politics and the manipulation and the power struggle, whereas our home, we didn't grow up with a power struggle. And it's a great blessing if you can grow up in a home without a power struggle, particularly for somebody like me who is a control freak. To have that wrestled out of his hands at a very young age was probably a very uh, good thing. <laughs> All right. Um, but our power struggle, Pastor Aaron and I, our power struggle, I remember our first real power struggle that we had. Um, and we're dating, so I was supposed to be on my best behavior, right? So... So Pastor Aaron says to me one day out of the blue, 
And uh, I didn't know it was a test, right? <laughs> like everything seems to be, ladies. Um, anyway, so she, she says to me one time, like, I'm, uh, I'm pretty strong, you know. And I'm like, you know, new topic introduction. I'm like, okay. Apparently that wasn't the right answer. And she says, no, like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty strong. And I'm like, great, you know. Again, it wasn't the right answer. I don't know today what the right answer is. Because she came from a family of girls, and I came from a family of boys. And so my response next, I didn't know, I didn't know that I, she wanted me to lie. Oh, yeah. Watch. So I said, I said, I said, no, like, you're strong. And then I said, I don't even want to say it. I was so stupid. I didn't know. I just said, like, you're strong for a girl. <laughs> oh. She's like, what? I've been working since I was 14 outdoors. Like, I don't know. I'm not big, but I used to be have muscles. Now I have pastor muscles, which... You know, I can read the Bible a lot, or I don't, I don't know what that means, but every time I see Aaron over there, he always shakes my hands and tries to break it. I'm like, there was a day, but you've got to stop doing that. You've got to respect your pastor. The, uh, and so we used to work the same jobs together, actually, back in the day. Um, so, you know, I did the thing and said the thing, and, and, uh, and she goes, you couldn't, uh, you couldn't pin me down if I didn't want you to. I'm like, what do you do, right? You're in this place of like, I don't think there's a win here for me. So I'm like, you get in a fight with a girl and like, is there a, is there a win there? But I'm like, but at the same time, the Holy Spirit said, you got to deal with this. <laughs> or this is going to be a thing. Maybe, maybe that I can't remember. It was a long time ago. <laughs> and then I'm like, you know, wrestling with a, with a girl is probably different than wrestling with my brothers. So I'm thinking about it. I'm like, she smells better. There's other stuff going on. Maybe this isn't a bad deal, okay? So I'm like, you want a shot at the title? Let's do this. So, um, so we wrestle. And, uh, you know, I'm not bragging, but I pinned her in like less than 10 seconds. And she couldn't move or anything like that because look at me. Um, and Aaron learned a valuable lesson that day. <clears throat> and I had the first fun wrestling match I'd ever had before. And then I'm like, you know, we should commemorate this day. <clears throat> And this power struggle that you definitely lost, um, we should commemorate it by maybe you should say something. And I'm like, you're a bit of a, you're a bit of a tigress, aren't you? I like that. You're a tigress. Why don't you say I'm a tigress? And she's like, I'm not saying that. I'm like, well, how much time do you got? Because I, I got nothing to do today, and I'm not saying that. I'm like, okay. A few seconds later, she realized like we're gonna be here a while, and so she's like, fine, I'm a tigress. And I'm like, you know, that was okay, but it wasn't as loud as I thought it could have been. She's like, I'm not saying it. I'm like, fine, I'm a tigress. I'm like, yeah, they can't hear you outside. I'm a tigress. And then, then I let her go and we never fought again. You know, there's the stupid things that we, we fight about. Um, the stupid little things, there's not a lot of collateral damage with it. But once we get into conflict... There's collateral damage. It's like getting into an accident. Today, I'm going to preach about something that I think we could avoid the accident altogether. 
So we were going to actually do this like co-thing. We're like, here's how we deal and here's how we fight fair. Okay, I think I had about 50 sermons. It changed at 3.30 this morning when I was up again. And then I changed it after the first service again. And so it's changed more times than I can recall in recent history. But I want to get to like, I'm like, we could talk about the, the fight over here. But by the time you get here, stuff has already happened. There's a fight before that fight that if we get to it, we can knock out 90% of this all together. This wouldn't even be a thing how you fight. Wouldn't even be a thing because we deal with what really is going on, which is a power struggle. But, you know, every couple fights about stupid stuff. You know, has, has... Now, ladies, can I just, like, pick on you a little bit? I know, like, you're hunting packs. I get it. Like, but look, if I'm asking for the peanut butter, I just want just the one question. Like, do we have peanut butter? That's all I'm asking. I don't. And, and Pastor Aaron, what she does is she's like, oh, that's not really what he wants to know. And then she starts launching into, like, the history of peanut butter in the Middle East and how people are affected by the emotions of the making of peanut butter and where it really comes from. I'm like, no, I just want to know. I think you think that we're smarter than we are. I just have the capacity for just the one question. And I can't really move past that. So if we could just, like, do we have peanut butter or not? I know you think that we're intelligent ladies. We're not sure why. You've met us. You've spent some time with us. Can we just do the one thing um, and not get it too complicated? We're just hungry. <laughs> and uh, we can't think when we're hungry. Now, the other side of that, to be fair, the other side of that is when I'm in the pantry. And I used to do this every week of our marriage back in the day. I'd be in the pantry and I'd be like, where's the peanut butter? And uh, Aaron would start in on this like it's, it's three rows up. And then as soon as she gets to part two, I've already, like, carry the what? And so, and it's like, you got to, and it's right, and there's a purple box with a V on it, and, and the light will, will block out most of the, the V. And there's beans right here, and there's four other things. And I'm like, I'm like, and this was what I would do. I'd be like, it's not here. It's not. She's like, it's there. I'm like, it's not here. Somebody moved it. It's not, it's exactly where I told you it was. And I'm like, I can't even remember the things. I'm like, there was the three in there. I'm like, it's not where you said it was. And she's like, if I get up and come over there, it's going to be where I said it was. And I'm like, no, it won't. And then she goes, I'm getting up. It's not too late to find. I'm like, it's not here. It's not where you said. I'm not even looking anymore because I'm like, everything is a blur now. And so she comes over. And then you know what happens? And then I turn around and somebody put it right there in the time that it took her to cross. And it's, she's like, it's been here the whole time. I'm like, no, it has. She's like, your hand was on it the whole time. There's a little stuff that we fight about that, that when we look back is kind of funny. Um, but most of what we fight about isn't, you know. I was thinking about this, and most of the time I have a little more scripture. I only have two verses today that if you get this right, and this will work not just in your marriage. This will work in anything. But if you don't get this right in your marriage, I question the future of your marriage and the health of your family. So, But this will work anywhere. Um, we're going to learn from, from the, what the Holy Spirit showed James, who is the brother of Jesus. Who Now, the, the funny thing about James is James only really wrote one book of the Bible that we're aware of, the book of James. If you're not a theologian, it makes sense. Read through it. He understands the human condition. The way that the Holy Spirit showed him the human condition is unique to any other place that you're going to find it. And, and here's the thing about James is that James didn't follow Jesus when Jesus was alive. 
the argument that James converting to Christianity because, well, what would it take for my brother Ryan to convince me that he was the son of God? He'd have to die and resurrect himself because that's the only way. He meets the resurrected Jesus. And when we're talking about Christianity, we're not talking about believe the right things. No, we're talking about meeting Jesus. Jesus saves you. Your relationship with Jesus is what saves you. It's not like he's dead and we believe this because it's right. We're like, he's alive. He's well. He's in the room. You can talk to him. You can start a relationship with him. That's what we're talking about. But James has an entire lifetime of regrets that he's pouring out in this book by the Holy Spirit. And he's like, I grew up with Jesus and I have all these regrets. But the Lord has shown me something about the human condition. Now, this James later went on to solve the Jerusalem council met. There was a huge division in the church that the enemy was trying to stop the gospel from getting out into the world. This church exists because James stood up in that Jerusalem council and all the heavy hitters were there. Peter was there. Paul was there. Paul's like, Hey, I'm writing half of the new Testament and you got one book. And James stands up, taps the table and says, okay, this is my call. And this is what we need to do. And they executed it, and the gospel went into the rest of the world. In the single greatest possible wreckage of Christianity, as far as church politics goes, he stood up and he's like, guys, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. I've heard you all. This is my call because God had put him in charge of the doctrine of the Jerusalem church. He's like, in this conflict, he said, here, do these things. They moved out. Everybody, you ready? And this is what I want from you today. I think... I think you're mature enough to decide before conflict who decides the conflict. And then support it like it was your idea. Am I talking to Canadians? Some of you are like, that's not a thing. It is just not here. Did you know that there's a conflict before the conflict? You ready? Um, Now, James is the guy who's like, also, I could say so much about this. Okay, I'm not going to. Where do you think he goes all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Catch that, catch that. Where do they come from? They are born somewhere. Where do they come from? He's like, you're dealing with the fallout all the time. You're dealing with the accident. You're dealing with the cars upside down. The wheels are spinning. It's on fire. We could talk about this. James is like, I'd like to talk about... What put it off the road in the first place? Where do they come from? He says, do you think they just happen? Think again. Once you get in the fight, acting like Jesus is a lot harder. Because then you say stuff, and I've heard some of the crazy crap that you say. And I've heard some stuff, and I've said some stuff. Once you get in there, ooh, it's a street fight. You got to deal with a lot more stuff. And by the time you're done, you won't even remember what the issue was in the first place. James is like, guys, can I just give you a little heads up here? Um, Let's go back. Here's what James knows. James is the only guy on earth who can't be like, you know, the problem is my husband. Or the problem is my brother. My problem is Jesus. He's like, I grew up with Jesus in Jesus' house. And I still argued with somebody who could literally refute my arguments before I opened my mouth. And I still argued I still started the argument. There's something inside of me that still wants to argue with Jesus. When I know that he's right, I still want to argue. There's something in me that's like, 
demanding to drive the car. He says, um, they, these quarrels, come about because your husband is the idiot. <laughs> oh, no, it doesn't say that. In fact, your spouse isn't even in here. He says, they come about because you want your own way. And fight for it deep inside yourself. So, you know, you're welcome. I'll stop all the blame shifting. And I'll like, are you? Yes, yeah, that's easy. You know, the real problem in your struggle in your marriage is... You don't have to look any further than that because James grew up with Jesus and James didn't point the finger at himself and he didn't even believe in Jesus while Jesus was alive. And maybe you wouldn't either because you think that growing up in the same house as Jesus would mean that you have a relationship with Jesus, but you got to give up something for that. Now, he's like, I watched Jesus. He goes, I get it now. I never watched him struggle for one thing that we struggle for. And every person in my family, every person that I know struggles for it. And Jesus never struggled for his own way. Jesus didn't argue and get in power struggles. Why? We were like, well, he went into the temple and he flipped all the tables upside down and, you know, whipped a bunch of people. He did, actually. He wasn't fighting for his own way. He was upset and disrupted it because he was fighting for his father's own way. He says, I only speak the words that my father says. These aren't my words. He goes, I only fight his battles. I only say what he says. I only... He never one time fought for his own way. He hung on a cross and died and he would not fight for his own way. Which means he didn't drive unless the Lord wanted him to drive. And then sometimes God is like, hey, send all your disciples and let them do the ministry. And he's like, okay. He's like, let your disciples do the, okay. He doesn't care. And he's like the prince of heaven and ought to. But he's a good leader. He doesn't care who drives as long as they don't hit the ditch. As long as we get to where we're going, why do you care? Now, um, you know when you get in, in, a, in a, you know when you get in a power struggle in your, in your marriage, if you're married or with anybody, and you get into that power struggle and you have to decide when you all of a sudden realize that you're wrong, you got to decide what you're going to do next, right? Is this too close to home here? Okay. So this is what we do all the time. Pastor Aaron, uh, who's teaching the kids right now, she'll, she'll say, I'll be like, I've seen this actress before in another movie. And, and Pastor Aaron will be like, it's this movie. And I'll be like, I'll be like, no, it's not. I'll be like, no, it's not that movie. And she'll be like, no, it's definitely that movie. I'm like, no, it's not. And then I got to decide what to do when it starts to like dawn on me that maybe I have the memory of a goldfish and I don't know. And then I got to, and my kids make eye contact with me because they know what's coming. And I'm like, I'm going to Google it, Aaron. And it's not too late for you to back up because the humiliation now is going to be a lot less than it's going to be when I Google it. And I want to save you the humiliation because I care about you. And... I know you don't like being wrong and have a lot of problems with that. And so, and so I'm like, I'm typing and it, you can still back up. She's like, type it in there, man. And as I'm typing, it just gets really quiet next, right, for a while. And then she'll say, what did Google say? <laughs> and I have never not said the following thing. Google doesn't know. 
I've said it dozens of times. I can't say anything else. I don't know. Or I'll fake like a heart attack or uh, the Wi-Fi is not working. My phone's broke. I need a new phone. And uh, I've never been able to just admit that I was wrong in that scenario. And why is that? Because I'm a really great guy. And so why can't I just be like, fine, you should probably be driving that because I literally don't know and I've never been right one time really about that. But the next time I'm still like Google doesn't know because I hate giving up control. I used to tell my brother, Ryan, you know that I'm right. Just say that I'm right. He's like, I, I really don't think that though. And I'd be like, well, that's going to be a problem for you right now. See, your way is to drive all the time. That's what makes you feel safe until you realize like you drive into the ditch a lot of the time and then you don't feel safe. But control to a human, it's what got Adam and Eve kicked out of the garden. Is like, hey, I'm going to decide. I'm going to do this thing. God, I'm going to decide what's right and wrong. I want to experience a little evil to know if good is good. That is really what was going on. Like, I'm going to decide this. And God's like, why do you just let me decide? I literally put one tree in the garden and told you not to do it, and you did it. And it wasn't even a hamburger tree, Adam. Like, sir, what are you thinking? It was fruit. He's like, well, my wife wasn't wearing clothes, and she handed it to me. So, like, not complicated. The secret is not caring who drives if it gets you there intact. That's the secret. James finally gave up the fight and he's like, I guess me driving isn't getting me anywhere. And I know that it's not getting me anywhere. Now, if you struggle with the wheel, you will misdiagnose conflict every single time. Can I say this? If you come from brokenness, addiction, abuse, if you have insecurity inside of you, you can come from a great home and just be insecure. I would suggest this, that the anointing of the Lord, which will break the yoke, the anointing breaks chains. The anointing of the Lord might not be on your life for a couple of reasons. A, because you're insecure and you're broken and power is a weird thing to you. Or B, God just didn't choose you to. That's the tricky part. Because if you're insecure... See, a secure person goes, oh, good, this isn't my gift. I'll get somebody to help me, and I'll be super appreciative. An insecure person is like, I can't admit that, and I don't want to. I asked Pastor Aaron, I'm like, so, because so, guys need respect and to be believed in, and girls need safety and love in a marriage. And I said, so, so what are you really worried about in marriage? And she said that kind of the usual suspects that I would hear from most of you, like, I'm afraid of not being enough. I'm afraid of being unsafe. I'm afraid of not being loved. I'm afraid of being taken advantage of, right? And I thought, let's go back to the garden. Let's go back to the garden because all of those things that we, I'm afraid of not being respected by her. I'm afraid of not being believed in, but I think that it's about her. What if the curse caused that? What if the curse got us out from undercover and we started to drive and that's why we feel insecure is that God wants the wheel back and he'd do all the other things. Why do you care if he's like, hey, can you just look out the window and see if there's a train coming? And we're like, no. If you grab the wheel in mid-conflict, it is an accident. 
If you grab it in the garage, it's probably an accident. You have got to let God decide. And God gives gifts of some things to some people and other things to other people. You might not have the gift of conflict. And if you come from brokenness, what I would suggest to you is you're still trying to find yourself. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. When God gives a gift to somebody in conflict, um, some of you, if, if you don't get your own way in a conflict, you'll have a really bad week because it affects your self-esteem. Okay, that's not what a child of God ought to feel. So God wants to heal you and break you of that, right? Because why do you care who made the decision and whose call we go with if we get to where we're going? Should that not make you feel secure? But we go to our spouse and we're like, give me the wheel and then I'll feel secure. And God's like, that's not real security. That's just power. That's just control. And you think that if you get everything that you want in your marriage, you won't destroy it? That's the problem. See, you can't get heavenly results with fleshly hands. God, heaven wants to, but heaven puts people in your life that are like, your small group leader will probably save your marriage someday and be like, you know, I don't think you should talk to her like that. Like, no, I don't think you're thinking about that right. No, I don't think pastor was angry when he was preaching. Maybe you felt guilty. Oh, I just thought of that. Now, um, driving in conflict is a special gift from God. And in this room, I don't know how many people would have that gift. Probably not that many. It's like driving through a blizzard at night through the mountains while somebody's shooting at you. Maybe from inside the car. So can I, can I help you a little bit? God woke me up at like, well, I woke up. I think it was God. It better be God. At like 3.24 this morning. And God changed the sermon again. And I'm like, God, you know, my office hours are like Tuesday to Saturday. You could talk to me any of those times. And he's like, yeah, no, let's talk now. And I'm like, okay, is what I said. I'm like, no, I'm totally cool with that. And um, he's like, can you just tell people that this is a gift that I gave you? And that you could give to them. And I'm like, God, I'd rather have a different gift. We've had this conversation before. I'd rather not have a gift of working through conflict. I would love your gift. Some of you are all like, I'm just, I'm here to help people celebrate. And I'm like, shut up. I'm here. I'm a birthday person, man. I bring the joy of the Lord. I'm like, that would be awesome. I'm like, God, I would like to drive. I would like to grab, I would like to be told to take the wheel on the beach. And God's like, would you? And I'm like, yes. You know when God asks you the question the second time? You're like, obviously. And he's like, think about it. And I'm like, you know, no, that's probably true. I'd probably get bored on the beach and drive it into the mountains in a blizzard just to see what would happen, right? So I, like, I get it. Because it's not super fun to have to be in conflict a lot, which I find myself in a lot of. But there's something here that I think that God is showing me through James that could just help you save you from the conflict altogether if you want to. But you got to put the energy and the time in up front. And you've got to be able to make a decision that you stick to when your sense of safety gets threatened. Because what threatens you is the conflict itself. You know, my wife, as she was helping me prepare this, conflict to her is a very different thing. You know, we were talking with some of the staff and my wife, and she would like start crying. And I'm like, whoa! what are we crying about? We're just talking about a conflict. You know, but then I realized like, oh, that's not her gift. Pastor Aaron has a gift of like, she's a better pastor than I am. She's kind of the pastor of the church, right? Right. And she's your best friend and your best friend and my mom's best friend. And my mom's like, if your marriage doesn't work out, we're going to keep Aaron. And I'm like, hurtful. 
I'm like, whatever. If she leaves, I'm going to go too. But the, this idea of you have a gift and you can't really use your gift unless you can stay in the pocket that God puts you in. And that's why you have a family that's bigger than you because they have a gift that you don't have. And it actually makes us dependent on each other, but not in a weird way. It's just like, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad, I'm glad for Eric because I don't have to do what he does. And I get his gift when I get him. And he gets my gift when he gets me. And I get gifts of my pastor friends. And I don't have to be good at all the things. I just got to know somebody who is and pick up the phone at the right time and be like, hey, what should I do about this? Because they'll spend an entire time honing that gift that God gave them and they were born with. And they spend a lifetime of pain and hell trying to figure out how to do that. And I don't have that. And I could spend their lifetime doing it. And I would never have that because God didn't want me to. But I get the gift when I get them. And I call people up. I'm like, what should I do? I'm like, I'm mad right now. And they're like, really? They're like, I think you should approach it like this. And I just go, okay. And I learned a long time ago, you just got to take your hands off the wheel when God wants somebody else to drive. And then when he tells you to, then you got to do it. You got to honor the Lord with whatever you do. My dad said one time to a married couple who, who made decisions like, well, we're going to just have consensus about everything. Like, we don't make a decision until we agree on it. And I'm like, who are you people? Like, I wish, I wish the house was never on fire and there weren't more than one exit. I wish, but doing nothing is also a decision that gets you shot. And I'm like, no, what do you do though? What if you mean we could actually decide before we get to that type of a decision who makes the call and who's responsible for it? Oh, that's incredible. I saw my parents work in teamwork and I don't know if you're stronger than they are. They're strong people and they've, they worked it out. And we had no power struggle in our home growing up. And I'm like, what a gift. Well, let's give that to our kids. All right. Um, would you have a process for different types of decisions that come up? Here's what I, what I would say. Like Pastor Erin, she, she has empathy with people. So she kind of knows your heart and she feels what you feel. I don't feel like that because I'm a, a surgeon and that would be weird. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, April's crying. I got to cut the cancer out. But she's a crying and I'm going to start crying. And then we got everything and, you know. And so, but I need Pastor Aaron because when I'm talking to somebody or counseling, she'll tell me how they're feeling. And I need to know that, but I don't necessarily feel that because I'm trying to find a path through the mountains while getting shot at in a blizzard. And so I can, I can the gift of God in conflict is I can take something very complicated and bring it down to one thing and let's do this thing. And God just seems to work that out. And I don't know why that is, but it just is. So my wife, like, well, here's one thing I will say. If, if I ever do paperwork in an airport, I'm going to jail. Lines and names and numbers and addresses. And oh my goodness. A, I'm, I'm, I don't like paper. If we do like a marriage certificate, I will call Pastor Aaron over in mid-ceremony and be like, just point where I'm supposed to sign. Because I'm going to sign at the wrong spot and then they're not going to be married and they're going to live in sin. Because I will literally find a way to screw it up. But then there's the other side of things too that in conflict, she's got to let me like, hey. Because, you know, in conflict, I'm, I don't know. My mind clears and I can see a path through it. And uh, if she tends to grab the wheel, it's like a murder-suicide. She's like, nobody's making out of here, you know. And I'm like, well, it's just like, I just wanted to talk about the toilet paper. You know, and so, <laughs> sorry for being honest. All right, um, come on up, worship team. Listen, when I give up the power struggle, when I don't have to control the steering wheel, you ready? I can, number one, laugh at myself. When you panic and grab the wheel, you got to be able to look back after, because look, everybody's going to laugh at you. You might as well be the first one there. If you're like, hey, I'm sorry for panicking. I'm sorry for grabbing that thing. I'm like, oh, you know what? If, if, your number, if your brain is not good with finances, why do you insist on controlling the finances? 
Like, you need to have a part to play in there, but that doesn't mean that, like, if you can't do accounting, don't do your own taxes or go to jail and be with me because I did my own. Pastor Aaron does all that stuff, or, like, we would, I would be in jail. Not her. They would just be, like, look at the two of us and be like, yeah, no, come with us. Um, they'd be like, you look really nice. Thank you. I like what you, okay. Uh, number two, you ready? Deal with one issue at a time. Can I take, like, two more minutes? Deal with one issue at a time. If you have to drive what you're going to do, or if somebody else, you feel like somebody else is driving you, losing control, you're going to throw 10 more issues at them. Look, one issue at a time. You have to stack a win. You have to be able to stop each other and say like, look, I know that you remember all of my sins from the 1970s, but I just want to talk about the one thing. Can we just deal with the one thing? But because you're you, and I'm me, we throw a bunch of other things in there because we really want to keep the one thing. We've got to have the maturity to be like, we're just going to talk about one thing. And if you still want to talk about something else two days from now, then let's do that. And if you need two weeks to cool off, then let's do it in two weeks. But when you're mad, you say stuff and you throw all your other issues on there too. And you want to do it because you don't want to just talk about the one thing. But if you don't stack wins, your life will go chaotic and you'll never feel like you're winning. And you'll have the same argument every day until you die of disappointment. And God doesn't like that his kids being disappointed and never resolving anything. We have to get to the place where we're just dealing with one thing at a time. Number three, video record your arguments. I could have just said that, drop the mic and walk off stage. Because you would watch the replay and be like, you live with a crazy person. How have you done this for this long? I love you so much. Who's that guy? That's you. But you're not going to do it. So what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to revisit arguments. Because you say things in arguments. And I've heard things in arguments and I've said things in arguments. Here's what I want to say. Some of you, if you're a broken person or you're insecure, your mind is creating a story during an argument that's not happening. And then you're going to be mad at them for however long you're mad at them for saying something to you. Have you ever said this to anybody? You said this and that's what hurt me. And they're like, I didn't say that. And then you're like, but I felt like you did. And then they continue to get mad at you for something that they made up in their head or that the devil suggested to them because of their brokenness. You cannot drive in conflict. It is an accident. It is a fire sale. It is a disaster. Give it to the neighborhood kid for the love of heaven. Give it to anybody but that thing. God wants to heal you of that so you can actually access memory and see what's going on. You're like driving down the Deerfoot with no brakes and the windshield painted red. And you're like, I'm still driving this. Stop. You have to change the game you're playing because it's the wrong game. Who cares who drives if you get there and you get there together? Number four, decide beforehand who gets the final say in that thing we've had to do that when it comes with heart issues it's pastor Aaron. but then it's her problem i'll be like no i can do that i can i can talk in that way to that person when it's some other things like the prophetic thing sometimes i'll be like no there's something else going on in there and you got to talk about this issue and if you don't get to this issue none of the rest of it matters and she's got to submit to that and be like okay because it's a gift and if i don't i don't need her gift i've got her but I got to respect that gift too. Sometimes God wants that to drive. Sometimes God wants the gift in me to drive. So um, God's gifting. 
decide beforehand and then just have the integrity to live with it. But the, here's the other thing too. If I ask somebody on my team, hey, can you go deal with this in this particular way and I'm wrong, it's on me. I'm not gonna throw them under the bus. I'll be like, hey, you get out of jail free. That's on me, I'll fix it, right? It's Number five, stop caring about getting your own way. Why do you care? You're not the boss of the universe. Jesus didn't even care. And he had no problems with his self-esteem. Did he? It's like, no, I just do whatever the father asks. It's the safest place to be. Now my mom, um, and she'll tell you this story. My mom, when they were first married, uh, used to slam cupboard doors, probably when she was losing an argument. Because my, my dad is the calmest person in the world. My dad will just sit there and you can't rile him up. I've never heard him yell. And uh, to this day, I've never yelled at, uh, at anybody <laughs> either this morning. Um, but my dad, he would sit there calmly and then he would say, I, come on somebody, God is saying this to you. Dad is sitting at the table and you're slamming cupboard doors because you want the wheel. And he's trying to pry your fingers off the wheel and you just keep slamming cupboard doors. And my dad would say, what God is saying to somebody, um, I don't see what you get out of that. This is what my dad used to say. I don't see what you're getting out of that. We could just talk about the thing. Then he'd be like, I guess I'll go get my tools and fix the doors. And I think God is tired of fixing the cabinet doors. And I think, why don't we just come and sit at the table and be like, okay, you drive. 